is so good to have all of you here in the house today. Man, what a great day to be together and to be in this place. I'm so, so thankful to be able to gather here and worship with all of you. And for all of you who are watching and joining us online, thank you for joining us for church online as well. And I want to begin just by uh, saying my, my own thank you. So last Sunday was Harvest Sunday. And for those of you who may not know, that's the, the one day out of the year we set aside every year to give towards our mission efforts, both here locally and around the world. And last Sunday, you've uh, already given and pledged as of this morning some $63,000 towards our mission efforts for 2022, which is, is awesome. Yeah, praise God for that. We're, um, we're over halfway to our goal. And so if you haven't yet had a chance to give or make a pledge for this coming year, you can still do that. There's a, there's a couple of giving buckets here for Harvest Sunday in the room at the corners. Of course, you can give online or set up that, that online recurring gift for Harvest Sunday if you want to do that. It's up to you, but would love for you to give if you haven't done so already to help us reach our goal. And, and I say that because I'm just thinking this morning, we've already celebrated. So thankful again for John, Mark, and Jennifer being here this morning to share with you about Christian works and, and what you gave. We've already celebrated what you gave for that. And I don't know if, if everyone's heard the math yet or if you know what happened, but, but I think this is pretty incredible. So for Christian works this year, you guys, Riverside as a church, we gave some 24,000 and change uh, for Christian works. They took that and they multiplied that into over $100,000 for Christian works. Isn't that awesome? I think that's incredible. Now just imagine what could God do if we're able to reach this goal, which I think we can. This is a, an easy target for us. What can God do if we give $100,000 towards our local and global missions for next year? What, what can he do when he takes, takes that and multiplies that? How many, how many lives can be changed? How many hearts can be touched with the love of Christ? What can God do? Jesus has this track record, right? We, we bring what we have to him. We offer him our gifts, no matter how small they are. And he has this way of multiplying them and doing with them infinitely more, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. It gives me such encouragement and such hope to see how over and over again God does that in and through this church for the benefit of others, for the spread of his gospel, and for the glory of his great name. So thank you, church, once again. Man, just, just story after story of uncommon generosity. Well, today we want to continue this series. We started last week. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to, to go back and listen because it really sets up the whole, the whole series. But the series on the Lord's Prayer. And, and as we, we do each week with this series, I want to invite you again to stand. If you would go, to, go ahead and stand where you are, church. And let's, let's pray this prayer out loud together. The words will be on the screen. Uh, let me invite you. Let's pray this prayer aloud together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Be seated. So as we lean again into this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, I want to I want to start with this question. What do you think about when you think about heaven? What do you think life in heaven is like? Uh, a few, a uh, couple of months ago, uh, my son, Will, turned 15. So you know what that means. Uh, it's time for him to get his driver's 
permit. And um, he was incredibly excited uh, for this moment. He had been wanting to drive even before he got his permit. He was coming to me and saying, Dad, can you take me out? Can you teach me to drive? Can we go to a parking lot somewhere and just kind of, you know, make our way around? Let me get the hang of it a little bit. He really wanted to, to learn how to do this. And he was so excited to get his, his permit and to, to start driving. And I'll be honest, being able to teach my son how to drive, this is the mission that me and Alicia have now, right? We've got a year to teach him how to safely drive behind the wheel of a vehicle. And I'll be honest, this has been really good for our prayer life. So if you, uh, if you need some encouragement in your own prayer life, uh, I'll let you take wheel driving. Now, he does a great job. He does a great job. But um, some of you know this because you've either been through this or, or you're about to go through this. But here in the state of Texas, when, um, when you want to get your driver's license, there's a few things you have to do, right? Like, so first of all, you've got to complete a 32-hour theory course. So you can understand the laws, the rules, what to do, what not to do, you know, how to drive. This, this is the written part of the test you're preparing for, right? And then you've got to complete, you know, 14 hours of driving with observation and another additional 30 hours of driving. And once you've done all of that, that's when, when you turn 16, you can earn and you can get your driver's license so that now you can get behind the wheel of a car all on your own, you know? And so before you do that, you've got to learn, you've got to receive teaching and instruction, and then you get your driver's license so you can be sent out to drive. Uh, a couple of years ago, I took one of my daughters, I was with her on a field trip from school. Both my daughters went to, to Pinkerton right here across the street. And uh, when you go on this field trip uh, with Pinkerton, you can walk down to Old Town. We went to a life safety park. I don't know if any of you guys have been there. It's really cool. It's like a tiny town, right? They've got a post office. They've got a little market. And it's all these little, uh, you know, storefront facades. They've got a little track you can drive around. And there's red light, green light. There's stop signs, traffic signs, all the things. And they take these elementary age kids and they put them in these go-karts, which sounds like a great idea, right? Except none of them have gotten behind the wheel of a motorized vehicle before. And so it's literally crazy town. You know, there's some kids flying around there going 90 miles an hour, it seems like. Other kids are hopping curbs. Some kids are, are over there on the side of the road crying their eyes out because they're both scared and terrified and lost and confused and don't understand why any adults would subject them to this. And you begin to understand there's a reason why we, we uh, make people take a written test and a driving test, and they have to be 16 before we give them a driver's license, right? Well, in the very same way, Jesus, before he sent his disciples out, he spent three years with them teaching them how to live and, watch this, how to pray. In fact, as the story goes, one of the disciples of Jesus came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted to learn from Jesus how to pray. They wanted to know how to, how to pray like Jesus. They wanted this instruction. They wanted to learn from him. Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think it's really interesting to think about why. Why did they come with that question? Why did this disciple approach Jesus and say, you know, out of all the things he could have asked Jesus to teach them that day, why did they want to know from him how to pray? A lot of times what happens when we get to this part of the story in Jesus' life, we jump right into the teaching. You know, what did he teach them to pray? How did he teach them to pray? How can, how can we learn from what he taught them? What did it mean for them? What does it mean for us? You know, we jump right into the Lord's Prayer and, and all, that, all that it is. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing to do. But I also think it's interesting to back up for a minute and think about why. Why did they come to Jesus and ask this particular, this specific question? 
If you've ever, if you've ever read the Gospel of Luke from cover to cover, one thing you'll, you'll realize in, in the way Luke tells his story of Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus, is that Jesus prays a lot. There's evidence of the prayer life of Jesus all across Luke's story about Jesus. And I want to show you just, just three quick examples. And there's, there's way more, but let me just highlight two or three for you real quickly. In Luke 5, Luke tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In the next chapter, Luke 6, Luke says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Then in Luke 9, he writes this, One day Jesus left the crowds because he wanted to pray alone. And I would suggest to you that this made an indelible impression on the disciples of Jesus. Because they lived with this man for three years. They went to bed by the same campfire. They woke up at the same sunrise. They ate every meal with him. They followed him everywhere he went. And they noticed, they saw how often Jesus would withdraw to be by himself, to spend time in prayer with our Father. And they knew that the way Jesus lived, it was a direct result of the way Jesus prayed. They understood that his life, his ministry, his power, everything that he did, it all flowed from this reservoir of prayer. And so they came to him and they said, Jesus, we, wanna, we want you to teach us how to pray. We need to learn this from you. We, we see how you live. We know it comes about from the way that you pray. So, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he begins with these words we talked about last week. He starts with, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Right off the bat, Jesus does something that, that everybody in the audience would have been shocked to hear. He, he uses the name Father for Yahweh, the Almighty God. He, he uses the name that he would have called Joseph as a child. Now, now for God in heaven. And everybody in the room, everybody that was there listening that day, they wouldn't have believed their ears when they heard Jesus refer to Yahweh as Father. But in changing, in changing their image of God, he changed their relationship to God. And now you and I, in the very same way as disciples of Jesus, right here, right now, in the very same way, we can call out, we can cry out to God as Father. And we see ourselves as His sons and His daughters. But in changing their image of God and changing their relationship to God, He didn't change what was unchanging, and that was the holiness of God. He's still the great I Am. He's still Yahweh. He's still God Almighty. But in His grace and His compassion and His kindness, he allows us to run into his arms, into the arms of our Abba Father. Right? That's the first move Jesus makes in prayer. And then he teaches them to pray this. He says, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what in the world does it mean to pray that? What does it mean to pray the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I think maybe, maybe one of the ways to get to that is to think back to that first question, right? What do you think about when you think about heaven? What, what is heaven like? What is life like in the kingdom of heaven? And as we start thinking about dreaming about imagining what life is like in heaven, then we can start thinking about this question. Well, 
how, how do we participate? How do we both pray and participate in making things like we believe they are in heaven here on earth? I think when Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way, I think he was taking a line from his own prayer life. I think he wanted them to understand that this is how you pray. Jesus knew, Jesus knew what life was like in heaven. Remember, he made the trip from heaven to earth. And he came with a burning desire to make things on earth as they are in heaven. He wanted to, to set the world right. He wanted, he wanted to bring people back to God. And you see this, you see this happening in the life, the ministry of Jesus over and over again. In fact, there's a sense in which everything Jesus does, from feeding the hungry to healing the blind, everything he does is restoring things, making things the way they were always supposed to be. This is the life, this is the ministry of Jesus, right? He's working in every way, every possible imaginable way to make things the way they're supposed to be. And the disciples understood the way Jesus is going about this. This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. We've never known anyone like Jesus. We've never seen anyone that, that, that speaks the way Jesus speaks, that does the things that Jesus does. He, he's got this link, right, to some deep power that is outside of this world. And they understood that the way Jesus lived was the result of the way that he prayed. And he wanted the same power in their lives. And don't misunderstand me. They, they didn't want power to do miracles for the sake of doing miracles. They didn't want the kind of power they could use to overpower their enemies. They didn't want power that, that, that they could use to somehow prop themselves up as better than anyone else. They didn't want that because that's, I mean, honestly, that's not what Jesus was doing. That's not how he was living. That's not how, that's not how he was using his power, right? Jesus came and he used this power that he received in prayer to make things on earth. As they are in heaven. And you see this in his life. They saw this in his life. It was because of the time that he spent in prayer that he's able to love the unlovable, touch the untouchable. The power that Jesus had to forgive his enemies, to love those who were unkind and hurtful and rude and spiteful and adversarial towards him. To, to, to be able, to be able to, to not just be a person of peace, but to be a peacemaker. And in fact, he had this, this inner calm. You know, Jesus, he was never in a hurry. Jesus was never anxious about anything. He had this inner peace, this inner calm. And even on those rare occasions when it seemed like he didn't, he always had a purpose in everything that he did. There was something different about Jesus. He had this ability to, to engage a crowd and then to disengage an angry crowd for the sake of a person who was in need. He had this ability, this ability to, to take this uh, trick question from an ill-intended adversary and turn it into a teaching moment for everyone who was present. And they saw the way Jesus lived and it was different. It was so different. They came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray. So Jesus says, you want to know how to live the way I live? You pray the way I pray. And this is what you pray. You pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And I don't know about you when you come to this part in the prayer that Jesus taught. But I know for me, I have to get really honest. And if I'm just being transparent and confessional and just shooting it straight. There's a lot of times when I spend time in prayer that I'm praying about my kingdom. I'm praying about the things that I'm concerned about. I'm praying about the life I'm trying to to build, the kingdom I'm trying to build, the family I'm trying to build, everything that I'm working for, working towards. I think this is what a lot of us do. I'll, I'll let you take an inventory of your own prayer life, but I think all of us are kingdom builders. And I think what happens for so many of us, the trap that we get caught in or maybe we get stuck in is that we get so preoccupied with praying for God to, to help us build our kingdoms. God, help me in this career. Help me, you know, grant me success. Give me your, your favor. I, I want you to help me as I, as I build this business. Help me get this contract. I want to get that bid. I want to get that degree. I want to get that whatever. I, wanna, I need that house. I need that car. I need this. I need that. I wanna, I, I'm praying for God to, to help me as I build up my kingdom. And then when I'm not praying for those things, what I'm praying, what I'm honestly praying for is for him to fix the things that aren't working so that I can build my kingdom because things are breaking down all around me and so God I need your your help fixing this or fixing that fixing that person fixing that relationship fixing this part of my family or this part of my business or this part of my life or whatever it is that's going on that isn't just right and we we, we've talked about this before right out of all the names that we have for God revealed in scripture fixer isn't one of them but this is one of those ways you can kind of diagnose whose kingdom you're working on building when we pray our kingdom come. What we're wanting is for our will to be done. But when we pray like Jesus, your kingdom to come. Now we're praying for his will to be done. I think this was a line from Jesus' prayer life. And if you need proof, I would suggest you just fast forward to the end of the story. You remember this moment, right? Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. It's time for Passover. And Jesus takes this Passover meal and he transforms it into a story about him and his body as the bread of life. And him and his blood as as the cup that's going to be poured out for them. This Eucharist, this good gift moment, right? And then they leave this upper room and they go to a garden. A garden they've been to so many times before. And so this is a normal thing for the disciples of Jesus, for them to go with Jesus to this garden. And then they're going to they're gonna worship, they sing a song, and then they're going to spend some time in prayer. And they've done this with Jesus over and over and over again over their three years together. And so this is not a new thing. They're not surprised at all when Jesus wants to go off by himself for a moment to pray. And most of the time, in fact, every time Jesus goes off by himself to pray, we never know what Jesus prays. I'd love to know, wouldn't you? We never get to know what Jesus prays when he spends all night in prayer to God or when he goes up on the mountain alone to pray and to be with our Father. We don't know what he prays in any of those situations or circumstances, but we do in this one. In fact, all four gospel writers tell us something about what Jesus prayed on this night. In this moment before, well, what's about to happen, he's, he's about to be arrested. He's about to be put on trial. He's about to be beaten within an inch of his life. They're going to make him carry a cross up a lonely hill. They're going to drive nails in his hands and his feet. They're going to drop that cross into the ground. And he's going to hang there naked to die. That's what's about to happen. And do you know what Jesus prayed? 
on the night before all this transpired? What would you have prayed for? I know what I would have prayed for. I think I'd have been praying for protection, for deliverance, get me out of this jam. There's soldiers on the way to arrest him. He can see the torches in the distance, you know. The tension is rising. He knows what's about to happen. God put up a hedge of protection around me. These are the kinds of prayers we pray, right? And if I'm being just a thousand percent honest, I think what I would have done is if I, if I was realizing the prayers weren't working, that the torches were getting closer, they weren't going a different direction, I probably would have stopped praying and I would have taken matters into my own hands. And I probably would have started running for my life. This is what happens, right? When the tension is rising and we don't know what to do and we don't feel like God is answering the prayers that we're praying, we just start fighting for self-preservation. But not Jesus. Three of the gospel writers tell us that in this moment, Jesus prayed these words. Not I will be done, but yours be done. Sounds a lot like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I guess the question is, what would it look like for you to pray that prayer? What would it look like for you to pray? Not my kingdom, your kingdom come. Not my will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A couple of weeks ago, you guys remember this if you were here. I did something. I'm just getting old, I guess. I hurt my back a little bit. I had to sit up here and preach on a stool, and, and I wasn't feeling all that great. And so I, I told my son Will later that day we had to go somewhere. I was like, you're going to have to drive. And uh, he was up for that. You know, he's been driving in our neighborhood. Uh, he's got that down. He's been driving on Denton Tap. And that in and of itself is an accomplishment, right? I mean, that's a big deal. But the place we had to go, we had to get on 121. And he hadn't been on the highway yet. And uh, he was both excited and scared to death at this moment, right? I mean, 121 is no joke. And so we get in the car. We, 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 we start heading that direction. We start merging onto 121, and as he's merging onto 121, I can see his prayer life is growing exponentially. I'm like really proud. He's like, he's like really asking God for, for help right now. But you know what? He did great. He did great. He, he did great because he's spent the time learning and preparing and practicing, and, and he was ready for that moment. I think what happens for a lot of us is we come up to these moments in life where we have an opportunity, right, to really make a difference, to really get behind the will, to really step out in faith. But what happens for so many of us, if we're just being completely honest, is we're terrified. We're scared to death. And because of that, because we're afraid of what if, because we're afraid of what people might think or what people might say, because we're afraid of a failure and this, this may not work, what we decide to do instead of, instead of stepping out in that moment of faith, instead of merging onto 121, instead of doing the thing that's probably going to take the most courage in the moment, we decide not to. It's just easier. It's just easier to, to play it safe. It is. It's just easier to keep living the life we're living. This is true for us individually, right? And it's true for us as a church. Like individually, it's, it's really hard to forgive someone who has truly hurt you. 
It's truly a difficult thing to pray for your enemies. It's not easy to live this life that Jesus is calling us to live. That's why we say that we're called to live different. It is so different, it is difficult to do. It's so hard for us as a church. It'd be so easy to play it safe. It'd be easy to, to, to not step into those moments, not step into those opportunities, not do something that, that might make an incredible difference for the kingdom. It would be easier to just dial it back and to rest on our laurels and to, to talk about all the good things that we have done and not look forward to what maybe we could do if we had just a little bit more courage, a little bit more But yet the life that Jesus is calling all of us as disciples to live is on the other side of this question. Are we going to live for our kingdoms, for our will to be done? Or will we have the humility and the faith and the courage to pray your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven? Here's what I know today. The way you pray changes the way you live. The way you pray changes the way you live. And what I want to encourage you to do, what I want to encourage all of us to do, if you're not already, to lean into praying this prayer. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to lay down praying for my kingdom. I'm going to lay down praying for my success. I'm going to lay down living for my name, for my fame, for my glory, for my platform, for my whatever. I'm going to lay all that down, and I'm just going to live with as much faith and courage as I can muster up. And I'm going to pray, God, may your kingdom come in my life. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Church, if you would, let's stand together. We want to end today in a little different way. Uh, in just a moment, uh, Zach, Chad, our worship team, Sarah, Rob, Chris, Rick, these guys are going to lead us in, in another song. But, but as they sing, as they play, as the worship music sort of just fills the room, what I want to encourage you to do is to fill the room, not just with worship, but with prayer. And I know this is going to get us a little bit out of our comfort zone, and that's going to be okay. I want to encourage you to just circle up with somebody next to you, somebody close to you, somebody around you, family, a couple of friends. There's no rules here. It can be two people. It can be five people. It can be ten people. So don't, don't worry about that. Just circle up with somebody next to you, close to you. And what I want you to do in these next couple of minutes is just to pray that prayer. Let's practice praying that prayer right here in this room. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My guess is that for some of us in the room, things right now are not on earth as they are in heaven. We need God. We need the Spirit of God living in us to help us make things on earth as they are in heaven. I don't know what you think about when you think about heaven. My, my guess is nobody's holding a grudge in heaven. Nobody's walking the streets of gold complaining about how things are going. Nobody's preoccupied with worries or fears or anxieties. I think in heaven, things may be a little bit different. So what if we could bring a little bit of that down here? What if we could pray the way Jesus taught all of his disciples to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we sing, would you just circle up with a few people around you? Would you pray together? Let's worship.